Being a leader doesn't mean that you would just pass instructions and boss around. Leader is the one who inspires by actions, by words, by full confidence and conviction in whatever you do and speak. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. Today's guest is a fascinating lady. She has done so many things. And I just want to mention a few before we start talking. She is a mountaineer. She has climbed, I don't know how many mountains. She is a squadron leader in the Indian Army. She's an officer of the Indian Air Force. She's a motivational speaker, a TEDx speaker. She has all sorts of programs like how to overcome fear or how to improve your mental health. And that's really all I want to say right now, because we're going to find it all out in the next uh, 35 to 40 minutes. Welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Tulika Rani, am I saying that right? Yes, yes. Hello uh, from India. Hello to you and all your listeners. So happy to have you with us. And um, well, what are we going to start with? How did this all happen? What made you want to join the army? Is it is it compulsory in India for women to join the army? No, it's not compulsory here. It was purely my choice. And I think that everybody should choose a career as per their orientation. One has to realize what is within. And thereafter only, one has to choose a career according to that. So when I was doing my graduation, I realized that um, I had that those qualities of being a leader. I could take initiative. I loved to work in a team. I could lead a team as well as I could be a part of the team. And I loved traveling. So that was a major attraction why I joined the Defense Forces, because it gave me an opportunity to travel frequently for work. So that was an added charm added to it. And uh, of course, the charm of the uniform. So that uh, makes you stand out when you are there in the crowd. So these were the things that, uh, that really attracted me towards the Defense Forces. When you say travel, did you get to travel abroad? Yes, a lot of times. Uh, that was because of my climbing expeditions. While I was in the Indian Air Force, I got an opportunity to get into mountaineering, adventure sports. I have done river rafting also, as well as climbing mountains. It was because of the Indian Air Force that I could get this opportunity in the first place, because in the forces, we have this directorate of adventure. So we, uh, as the Defense Forces, organized adventure activities. Anybody can volunteer for that. So it was basically because I was serving in the forces that I could easily get into adventure sports. I went to Nepal, of course, to climb uh, Mount Everest. And I have been to Iran to climb Asia's highest volcano, Mount Damawan. I became the first Indian woman to do so. Then I've been to Bhutan four times. I have uh, traveled Bhutan throughout its width. Only the northern Bhutan is left, and that happens to be on my to-do list, to visit there the Laya tribe that lives in Bhutan. I have also been to Africa, Tanzania, to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So, and I have been to Russia to climb Mount Elvis. So these are the places in addition to traveling extensively in my own country, India. 
fantastic. I have to connect you with a lady who was on my podcast as well, who is actually attempting to do all those things that you are doing. She hasn't climbed all those mountains. She has climbed a few. It's fascinating. I look at you and unfortunately, this is only audio, but I wish people could see you. I look at this lovely very feminine, beautiful woman. And you're such a badass. You're such a, you're, you, the stuff that you do is amazing. <laughs> I think uh, it is because I believe that uh, human life has so much within its folds and we must embrace all of it. Perhaps we, one life is not enough to embrace all the beauty that human life has, everything that it has to offer. Why shall we just restrict ourselves to one role? Different roles are a part of human life. They're not the entire human life. A lot of people say this when I go for delivering my motivational talks in universities or in the corporate houses, in the government companies too, or in schools. People say that we were expecting that you would come in that kind of uh, attire, attire of wearing a trouser or something. I said, I do wear trousers when I feel like, but I do feel like wearing my traditional ethnic clothes too. So that is how I, I'm living all the beauty that life has to offer. Being feminine is a part of it. And also when I climb mountains, I do wear those clothing which are conducive to climbing mountains. So it is not about a cloth per se. Clothes are a reflection of the requirement of the work we are doing at that particular time. So I'm comfortable, equally comfortable in all the attires that I wear, equally comfortable in all the roles that I am doing at that particular time. When I was in the forces, I, I, I have been an instructor also, by the way. I have been an outdoor military training instructor, that strict person who rarely smiles in front of the cadets. So the cadets didn't know that I'm capable of smiling too. And uh, later on, when they became officers and we became quite friendly, then they realized that she is a different person altogether. So it depends on the work that a person is doing at a particular time. I get it from the military training because we are taught to adjust and blend in the environment we work in. So right now, since I have retired from the forces, I'm now into the civil stream. I do have all that military training still in my mind and I do carry myself like that. But since now I'm in the civil, I dress accordingly. And this is how it is. It is very rewarding, I would say. It is very fulfilling. I absolutely love everything you just said, especially the thing about the different roles and how much we can do in our lives. And maybe, yes, maybe you're right. Maybe there, one life isn't enough, but there is definitely a lot to do. And I remember a thing that I read. Dr. Wayne Dyer says in one of the talks that when we are born, we all get a gift, a box full of gifts. And some people hardly touch the, the, the wrapping paper. They hardly touch the bow. They never open that box. Yes, it's, it's so true. Because uh, I have found that I can, I, I was um, a studious person. So I kept on topping all my courses since I started studying. Then after when I joined the military, I topped my courses there too. And I did wonderfully well in my service. At the end, I also became an outdoor military training instructor. And later on, I, when I came out into the civil stream, I became a motivational speaker. I did the TEDx too and uh, have delivered more than 350 talks around the globe. I am a writer too. 
So my book has been published, Beyond That Wall, Redemption on Everest. It is about my Everest climbs. About my Everest climbs, I fared not very well during my first attempt in 2011 on Everest. I was midway the route, but I had to return from there. So in the worldly terms, I became a failure because I could not reach the summit. But it was in my second attempt, the next year itself, in 2012, that I could make it. So I'm a mountaineer, I'm a writer, I'm a motivational speaker, I'm a public figure. I'm also the brand ambassador for my state, Uttar Pradesh, for the G20, which uh, are my own country, India, has the presidency of for this year. So all these roles, I feel whatever a person is doing at one particular time, if you focus on doing that with utmost justice, I think we can fit in into many, many, very, many roles. A human being has so much within one person. What we do is we carry the burden of the past into the present. I was an Air Force officer, yes. I have all the beautiful things and the training incorporated in my living style. I still uh, every day work out, and that is going to be a lifelong practice. But as I have moved on, I'm not carrying that burden of being an officer on my shoulders anymore. So that is why I'm open to other rules, different categories, different experiences that come in my life. And if we live like this, I suppose many opportunities come in which we feel enriched. So that's how I live. Absolutely fantastic. You said something before when you were talking about teams. You said that you can lead a team, but you can also be part of the team. And I think that is the key to be a good leader, to understand that, yes, somebody has to be in charge, but you also have to be participating in a team because that's the only way it works. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I like that a lot. Yes. By being a leader, because there is a lot of talk on leadership qualities, people try to understand what is a good leader like. But I, I, what I mean by a good leader is you don't necessarily have to be dominating. A good leader is the one who can show the way, not only in the words, but by actions. So that's what in the military we strive to do. And that is what I strove to do as an instructor. First, I used to do push-ups and tell my cadets to do push-ups. I used to climb a rope and demonstrate how it is climbed. Thereafter, they climb. So being a leader doesn't mean that you would just pass instructions and boss around. Leader is the one who inspires by actions, by words, by full confidence and conviction in whatever you do and speak. So if other people can look up at us, that yes, if they can repose their confidence in us, because we abide by what we say, mm-hmm. then we are a good leader. Mm-hmm. If there is a person, uh, I believe that everybody has strengths and weaknesses alike. But the role of a good leader is to identify those strengths as well as weakness in a team and distribute the right work to the right person. And thereafter, encourage them to do better because every human being has the capacity to be better. What we miss is appreciation. What we miss is acceptance because there are a lot of many people who will tell us of our weaknesses, of what we are not good at. But how many times a person really comes and gives us a compliment as to you have done this wonderfully well as per your capacity and we will do better. So I think that's a better better way to be a leader. In uh, 
with reference to fitting into a team yes that is equally important because as i have been raised into military i know that there is a hierarchical structure everywhere in the world even if we live in the families we have a hierarchical structure in an organization we have a hierarchical structure so one has to be able to fit into that structure if there are people above us which are meant to be we have to be obedient we have to take their orders too and uh, if there are people who are junior to us we have to inspire confidence in them being a leader doesn't mean that you would be closeted into one particular mold flexibility is also a very important ingredient of being a leader beautiful beautiful and what you said before about finding out people's strength and 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 using them at the right place because there is this saying about judging a fish by the way it climbs a tree you know that's that is <laughs> that is so true because that you know there are, and i think one of the things that i feel should be changed is the school system i don't know what it's like in india but i know what it's like in europe i'm from switzerland i live in cyprus and i believe that you know we have i don't know we've been to the moon we have so much artificial intelligence but we still teach the same way we still teach the same stuff and i think it's time to change these things kids should learn different things they should learn more about emotional intelligence they should and as you said we should find their strength strength yes and now this is one of my favorite topics where does the strength lie actually it is not in the resources it is not in the external circumstances the strength maximum strength for a human being is within us and that has to be told to the children when they are growing up because life is not always smooth or fair or just and it is where when people break down so children while being educated have to be prepared for these eventualities which will arise which will arise it is a part of life they will fail so they have to be prepared for failures we have to change the entire definition of success and failure because what we understand right now by failure is if you set a goal if you do not achieve it you have failed while we shall take it in this way that perhaps we are not ready we are not there yet we need to do more we need to introspect more we need to prepare better it is just a pause it is like climbing a ladder the goal is kind of the highest rung of the ladder and perhaps we are at the fourth fifth ladder we are still not at the tenth one so this is how non attainment of a particular goal at a particular time shall be taken nobody shall be judged a failure in life because till the time a human being is alive they're not a failure at all they are a success because they are alive mm-hmm. they are a success because they are breathing because they have hope human beings are different from animals in this one particular distinct characteristic that they can hold hope and dreams that they can visualize the future that they can strive towards it so this is what we have to tell our children i will also quote an example here there was um, a day when i was on the sports field with my kids and in the military jargon i was giving them punishments which are not punishments at all these are strengthening exercises so they were all on their four hands like for hands and legs both their head down and suddenly they they were supposed to be really 
gloomy or because they were being punished for that matter <laughs> but some one of them suddenly uh, said look at the sunset it's so beautiful oh. <laughs> so it was a voice which wasn't supposed to be there because they were supposedly in a punishment but somebody said look at the sunset so beautiful so i asked them who said that nobody answers me because obviously they were not in that position to answer that and later on i told them at that very moment wonderful whoever said this very good because if you have the capability to admire beauty to discern beauty when you are in adversity you will survive anything in this world this is what we need to tell our children so education has to incorporate these values that when you are in adversity you have the capability to rebuild your life that's when human beings fail educate their children i suppose information is not education there is information and there are means to gather information at any particular time uh, there is mobile there is internet so giving information shall not be our aim giving them the life values giving them the skills to survive and giving them the values to be a good human being that's what we lack nowadays now, how to connect with a person genuinely how to observe nature from where to observe these life goals when there is no mentor when there is no teacher when there is nobody to fall back at who to go to these are the things that we must teach us fantastic i totally 100% agree with you and as you say life isn't fair and as we say shit happens to all of us at some point it's just how we deal with it and how we have learned to deal with it and you know failure is the only time when you fail is when you give up and i think personally as long as i can breathe i will try and uh, i think that's that's really what life is all about let's talk a little bit about travel because after all it's most memorable journeys where is your favorite place in the world <laughs> well i haven't yet been able to answer this question because i haven't yet seen so many places more and yeah well i love to be in bhutan it's a beautiful country mountainous country absolutely ravishing uh, beauty all around the flowers the mountains full of flowers but then equally himachal pradesh in india is also beautiful in that way so particularly i love the mountains wherever in the world i am in the mountains i am the happiest person on this earth and yeah i love iran also because because of the culture is a persian culture that they have irrespective of what is happening in iran right now i totally stand with the women of iran but uh, in addition to that despite that i suppose the culture that they have and the culture is not just some rituals some restrictions culture is a bigger term than that so iran is wonderful that way india of course india is a beautiful country diverse one it is many countries rolled into one so if we go to the northeast india we have the mountains we can go to the west india and have the desert the rajasthan rajasthan and then we have the south india we have the beaches over there we have the northern india containing himalayas so it's a beautiful country what i feel is wherever we go what makes it beautiful one is the natural beauty of course second is the people what makes a place beautiful is of course the natural beauty and the people so if we are able to connect with people genuinely that gives us happiness and travel of course broadens our mental plane 
Because what happens is human beings suffer. They suffer because of their ignorance. When I travel, what I observe is the people wear different kinds of clothes. People speak different languages. Their looks are different. But all of them at the base, what do they want? They want to be loved. They want mm -hmm. to be respected. If somebody smiles at anybody for that matter, they will smile back. If they're genuine people, of course. If they're <laughs> so, so that kind of equality we need in our life, at the base, we are all similar. And when we have this kind of an understanding of human existence, perhaps our sufferings feel lesser because we have seen more, because we have observed and felt more. So we do not remain restricted within ourselves only. Travel broadens our way of thinking. On different planes, one plane is when we live in a cocoon, in restricted place, we feel the way we live is the best way to live. But when we travel, our thinking is broadened because we feel that, okay, at a particular place, a particular thing is right. While perhaps in our own country, it may not be considered right. So right and wrong are quite subjective. They are as per the place and as for the time. So then perhaps we stop judging people. We become more tolerant, we become more accommodative, we become more accepting. So this is one function that travel does. Another, what travel does is that there is no particular way to connect with people. If you smile at somebody, you can connect with human beings. If you just touch, I have done this. Once I was trekking in the Himalaya and there was a lady who was carrying a load. She was a village lady. She was carrying a load on her head and she was taking a rest somewhere. I just went and sat near her for my rest break. I didn't know her language. She couldn't understand what I was speaking because in India, we have different dialects, even of Hindi. So I just touched her hand. And, the, and what I saw in her eyes was indescribable. That's pure bliss. When you touch somebody's hand purely, they can feel that we are connected. So travel tells us these things, that human life is much more than language. Human life is much more than anything, any way of communication. Human life is much more than that. And when we travel, because we are forced to connect with people in different ways, perhaps by some exigencies, then we broaden our perspective. So beautiful. So very true. And I so agree. And you, you you forgot to say one thing when you were saying that we are all connected. We all want to be safe. You said we want to be loved. We want, but we want, to, it's, it's about safety that we want. We want, and this is the big problem in this world. Many people are not safe and that is such a shame. And I have so much to say to what you just said, because I have been to India when I was young. I was a tour guide and I have traveled through India. I don't know, at least five or six times. And I used to start in Delhi and then go to Jaipur, Agra, Kashurao, Bhubaneswar, Puri, Konarak, ended in, uh, in, um, Calcutta. And I absolutely love everything. I love the colors. I love the people, the food. You have so many gods. I love, you know, you have a god for every day and for every, for every way. 
And then the second thing that I want to say is my daughter traveled through Iran and she said exactly the same thing like you did. I'm still dreaming of going there. I still haven't managed. I want to go so much because, you know, politics is one thing, but then there is people and there is traditions and the way people are and the kindness and the hospitality. You hardly get a chance to pay for things because everybody always wants to invite you. And the third thing what I want to say is about Bhutan because I did a podcast uh, episode with a lady from Bhutan, and this is for you, Eden Dima. Tuli Karani thinks that Bhutan is a beautiful country, and that's another place that I want to go to. I really, really wish that I could go to Bhutan one day. So you definitely like the mountains. How about the sea? Do you, are, are, do you like to visit beaches or the seasides, or, or is it more the mountainous areas that you're keen on? It is mountainous areas that I'm keen on, but I do visit the beaches too. So I have been to the beaches in India, not outside, because wherever I have been outside, it is for climbing a mountain. And uh, if I have an extra day, I love to interact with people. So in uh, as regarding the beaches, yes, I have been to a lot of beaches in India. One uh, beautiful beach is in Diu. So Diu uh, is near Gujarat. It is in the Western India. It's a beautiful place to be at the beaches. I love the way the waves arise. And many a times in my poems, I have written about the waves because they, they have the capacity to rise after falling repeatedly. And we must gain that kind of an insight. When we listen to the sound of the sea, it's so calming. And at the same time, it's so energizing. Whether it is the sea or it is a river in the mountains, I have very vivid memories of rivers flowing ferociously in the mountains. I sometimes store them in my mind so that I can replay that sight, that visual, as well as the sound. It is the force, the force that inspires me so much because flowing water, just look at that, Nothing absolutely can stop it from reaching its destination or nothing absolutely can make it stagnant unless, of course, human beings decide to do so by creating dams or something. It is for a different purpose altogether. But the natural course of the water, flowing water, is to go beyond any sort of obstructions, whether it is a boulder or it is anything else. It will try to go beyond it. Now, how it goes beyond it is another matter. It might go over the boulder, a river, or it might discard the boulder if the water doesn't have that much of flow to go over the boulder. This is where human beings must seek inspiration from. In life also, we must be like a river. We must be like the waves. Like a river, we must have the capacity to go beyond any sort of a boulder, whether by skirting it or by jumping over it. And the focus has to be not on the boulder, not on the obstruction, but by going ahead. Like the waves, we must rise after falling repeatedly. So philosophical, beautiful, beautifully said that one thing that I want to go back to, because you were in the army, you were a squadron leader. Discipline is a big word. How do we get more disciplined? Discipline can be trained, you know, when you are in a in, in the army, when you are an officer, you 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 have to, but how can people become more disciplined? What is one way? What if, what would be your best tip to tell people how to get more disciplined? Uh what I personally do is 
I tell myself, if I don't do it, how would I feel? So that feeling of not feeling good later on inspires me to do that particular task at that moment where it has to be done. So when I used to run, and it used to be like 20 kilometers of a run, so obviously one is tired, one feels like giving up in between. But I used to visualize if I do not complete this run, obviously I have set a target beforehand. But if I don't finish it now, and if I, if I give up now, how would I feel after giving up? So that feeling, that little gnawing feeling, which would always be within me the entire day, or for that matter, in my subconscious forever, you cannot take it. You should not take it, rather. It is better to make that effort at that particular time, rather than feeling that little gnawing, uh, you know, little gnawing feeling, which keeps telling you that you're guilty, mm-hmm. that you're not good enough, that mm-hmm. you are not courageous enough. So that is one way. Or another way, I also used to feel, how would I feel if I finish it? Mm-hmm. So these two opposite sides, how would I feel if I finish it? Now that's feeling. And once you achieve a target, it is addictive. So I would exhort somebody, if you really want to taste what life is, you must set a goal. And you must strive to do everything to achieve that goal. When you do reach there, first, you are a changed person. Second, the kind of contentment one feels is beyond the words. And that feeling becomes addictive. So next time, one goal attained leads to more striving for another goal to be attained. It's a chain. It's a series. It's true. But a lot of people fear that they don't even start because they fear that they will fail. Yes, yes, definitely. That's the biggest obstacle in people's path. And I speak a lot on this. No, what if we fail? I would ask anybody who is afraid of failing, what do you envisage would happen if you fail? So a lot of things can happen. Number one is that you would feel bad. Number two, People would say a lot of things about you, that you were initially itself not good enough. So you didn't have those kind of resources within you to do it, to make it. And number three, you will perhaps not reach anywhere. You will still be stuck where you are. So these are the fears that people have because of which they don't even start. But let me put this into perspective. How would you feel if you failed? Well, me? you would feel no anybody. Oh, that okay, matter. yeah, <laughs> yeah. How would a person feel? <laughs> How would a person feel if they fail? You know, so it is not a good feeling. But trying is much better than failing. At least you have the consolation that you did it, you tried it, and you will not have to live with speculation all your life. You know that thing because I never want to live with this kind of feeling. Oh, if I had taken that step at that particular time, perhaps I could have done it. So I would rather try and see if I can do it rather than living in these thoughts forever in my life. What if I had taken that step? So that this what if should not exist in anybody's life for that. So remove that what if, say that I did it. And I saw this, I observed this, I experienced this. It is much better. It is something added in our life. Second, what would people say? What would they say? What can people say for that matter? Is there anybody who has never failed in one's life? There is nobody on this earth who has never failed in his or her life. 
people may be successful and we for that matter we must read the biographies of successful people not only their success not only their achievements we must read their entire life journey to understand as to how many times did they fail and after that what did they do so that they could be called a successful person one day to tell you here on my first expedition i did climb the peak mount stokangri in leladakh that was a 6000 meter peak but next four consecutive peaks i could not make it to the summit so in the worldly terms i was a failure but on the next peak itself on mount everest i did climb it and it make it so if i had thought that on four consecutive expeditions i'm not able to do it i'm not a good climber perhaps it is not me to climb i would have just stopped there today i wouldn't have been the person who has climbed the mount everest so do not fear about people's reaction if anybody says anything the best is to ignore it at that particular time because we know that we are capable we know that we do something because we wanted to do it we wanted to experience it whatever result comes there is always another day there is always another attempt or even if we do not want to make another attempt on that set target it has already enriched us there is a uh, there is a quote by swami vivekananda he is a very revered person in india swami vivekananda who had been to chicago in 1893 on the world parliament uh, religion world uh, religion parliament and he had spoken these lines that um, he had spoken these lines that even if you fail you have been enriched so trying is important mm-hmm. these kind of thoughts we have to have in our lives i think that we should not live with the speculations we should not live with what ifs and we must try that thing if we have to live a fulfilled life so fear of failure exists more in our minds there is nothing called a failure there is always a chance taken that's all there is no permanent failure i always say this till the time a human being is alive hope is there dreams are there and if god has kept us alive till now he has hope in us he mm-hmm. has faith in us otherwise how much time does it take for a human being to leave this world if this this one i read once i was uh, very down in my life so i was kind of dejected because these moments come however hopeful you are these moments come at certain point of times that we feel dejected in life disappointed and pessimistic perhaps to a certain extent so suddenly i just uh, opened a book by paulo coelho and on the very first page there was this uh, poem by rabindranath tagore and it was this that whenever i feel i'm not quoting the exact lines but i'm quoting the gist of it whenever i feel that there is no way god opens another way for me so beautifully so marvelously we never know what is destined for us if we believe in a power which is superior to us i think he knows better I, and so many times it happens when we retrospection in retrospection when we think so many times we do realize that a particular event which we thought at that time was wrong or not good ultimately turned out to be a stepping stone for something beautiful so this is how i suppose failures have to be taken yeah, yeah. 
fantastic, fantastic. And the thing about life is that at the end, people don't regret the things that they did. They regret the things that they didn't do. And that's what we don't want. That's how you, we should be ending without regrets. And we are ending this podcast episode soon because we're already quite far in. I want to know, Tulika, what is your dream? Where would you like to go? What would you like to do? Is there something that you're dreaming? Because we know, but we both know that every plan, every goal starts with a dream. And if you can dream it, you can do it. Yes, of course, of course. Everything starts in our mind first. Everything starts in our heart and soul first. And then one can manifest. I have felt this power of manifestation so many times in my life when I was about to climb Everest. I used to imagine standing on the top of Everest even while I was standing in my backyard. So that's the kind of thing. My dream right now is to climb the highest volcano of the world, which I would very soon be climbing. I am sure of it. I do not know how, but I'm preparing for it. And somehow it happens. When we think positive things, things do fall in place. Things do start happening because it is all about energy. So that's my goal right now. I would love to read more, write and read more books in my life. I have write, I've written one book as of now. I am working on uh, three or four books more and I have many more ideas. So by the time I go from this world, I suppose I would have written many more books, more poetry. I would have connected with more people like you generally. So it's so wonderful that I was trying to to talk to somebody about my travels and somehow I just saw you. So it happens many times in my life. And so these, these are my dreams to be positive always, to be happy because life is beautiful. Despite adversities, life is beautiful. So very true. And I will be cheering for you all the way. And I am very glad that we are now connected and I look forward to a lot more. Thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys today. Tuli Karani, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.